Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey girl, hey. Hi, hey girl, hey. Okay. So, um, it's been a little bit before we've like since we've done our last Patreon shout out. We just want to say thanks, Brittany Dunn. For, thanks, Brittany Dunn. <laughs> for You're being awesome. part of our team. We heart you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is morning time. We are recording the morning. So I've got my coffee the size of my head oh, and. I think mine is too. Oh, almost. Mine's like, <laughs> mine's like, huge. Mine's like a uh, soup bowl. I'm drinking out of our cool Cereaholic Sisters coffee mugs. All right. Well, I don't really have any like business or anything. So should no. we just get into it? Uh, yeah, let's just get into it. All right. So it's my turn. I'm going to try to not be confusing like last week. <laughs> I know. Okay. So first, before we start, I just Oh, God. <laughs> I just need to apologize for last week's episode because to me, it really sucked. It, really it was sucked. fine. It was very all over the place and confusing. And for any listeners that were listening to it and were like, what is going on? I was trying my best to explain this hot mess of a case. I thought I you were going to say, I was drunk when I wrote my notes. No, <laughs> I wasn't, but no. I was probably <laughs> sleep deprived. <laughs> I had been super sick. I'm still trying to get over this stupid cold. You sound better. I'm not quite bad. I was going to say, I, I'm getting, I'm definitely getting better. I'm just still not quite all the way, but I'm almost there. All right. Well, yeah. here we go. You ready? You ready? Let's do it. So you all know by the name of this podcast, and if you've listened to any episodes that it's made by two sisters. Hey, we're two sisters, Crystal and Samantha. Hey. Hello. So this week I decided to do my case on another pair of sisters. So oh. this is a very different pair of sisters. You'll find no similarities between them and us like whatsoever. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, this week, I am going to tell you all about the Pappen sisters. Okay. 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 It's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you saying, are you going to say something? I was going to say, I don't know that I know this one, but okay. <laughs> okay. So it's. Let's, let's just get into it. Okay. So I said, I'm talking about a pair of sisters, but there's actually three Pappen sisters in all, but only two of them are, are the main focus of this case. And once I like get into it, so you'll one see of what them's I mean. Good, the other two are murderers. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, we'll get into it. You'll see what I mean. So we're going to go to Le Mans, France in the early 1900s. Okay. And there's a bunch of French names. And if I mispronounce them, I'm really sorry. I, I just, literally like Google pronounced everything last night, like a bunch of times. And I was like, I'm not going to say it right. So I, I would just have to say that you cracked me up because you're constantly going on the French 
freaking murderers. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. It's, it's like, interesting. Oh, let's, let's see what's happening in France today. I'm like, oh, let's see what I cannot pronounce right and butcher. So. <laughs> it's always France. <laughs> always France. I don't know why. That's interesting. So Clements Dier was dating a man named Gustave Papin. Okay. The thing was, there was also rumors going around town that she was dating her boss at the seedman shop that she worked at. So Gustav knew about these rumors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scandal. Scandal. <laughs> Start out with scandal. So Gustav knew about these rumors, but he didn't know like if it was true. He just knew that he loves Clements and he wasn't about to let the rumors ruin that. So oh, yeah, you screwed up, buddy. <laughs> then they find out that she's pregnant. Who the baby daddy? <laughs> exactly. Who the baby daddy? <laughs> Nobody actually knows, but this sounds like an episode of Maury. It is, right? So (laughs) I promise this is true crime. Um (laughs) so she she's pregnant and her and Gustav ended up getting married in October of 1901. So he's like, cool, cool, cool. No, there's no question about who her man's is. Like it's me, like we're married. Um baby Amelia Pappen was born in February of 1902. So now they're married, they have this brand new baby girl seems like everything's going great well the rumors about Clements and her boss like continued to spread throughout town and now everyone's like oh Gustav's probably not even Amelia's father like well yeah it doesn't sound like she is right <laughs> like, <laughs> sounds like an episode of Mari's like and the DNA tests come back <laughs> <laughs> you are not the father <laughs> oh, oh, <okay>. oh. <laughs> so now he's getting to where he can't help but wonder if like maybe there's some kind of truth to these rumors right so he's like okay i know what i'll do i'm just gonna take a job in another town and then we'll have to move away and she won't be around this boss of hers there you go (laughs) he worked at his father's cloth mill at the time but he was like surely i can find work somewhere else like this isn't the only job and then i can just like move the family away and get rid of all my problems so not quite didn't go exactly how we planned. When Amelia was two years old, Gustav walked in. He's like, guess what? I got this new job at a sawmill in another town. So we're moving. Yay. But Clemens was not (laughs) saying yay. (laughs) She was like, shit. (laughs) Clemens was saying she would rather kill herself than move away. Like she literally threatened to commit suicide. (laughs) Clearly bitches cheating on you. (laughs) So Gustav was like, okay, that's like super suspicious. I'm pretty pretty sure she's spooking her boss. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Pretty sure the baby's not mine. Well, there you go. (laughs) So eventually she finally agreed to move. And so they moved away. Um, but again, it didn't turn out the way Gustav had hoped. Clements became like super depressed and unstable and bitter, not only towards him, but also towards baby Amelia. I was so, gonna say like to, to her kid. <laughs> yeah, even to her kid. So oh, she she can't have her side piece. So now right, she so she's it. just gonna be a bitch <laughs> to everyone. So um Gustav didn't take this well and he turned to alcohol to help drown his sorrows. So oh, of course. We got bitch mom and now we got alcoholic dad. Um, no, no. We got bitch whore mom. <laughs> and alcoholic maybe dad? So, <laughs> right. So. <laughs> let's let's find that out. <laughs> so, let's define that a little better. The yeah. couple's second daughter, Christine, was born March 8th, 1905. Everyone was like, so Clemens doesn't seem very like nurturing or fit to like mom in general. So 
Christine was given to Gustav's sister, Isabel, soon after her birth. You're right. They're just like, wait, how does that, how do people just like, oh, well, um, here's a baby. Yeah, that's what she did. She, she's like, I don't really want this. You can have it. So Christine, I'm going to keep this one, but you can have right. this one. I'm going to keep this one that I'm also just mean to for no reason. Um, Christine lived happily with her aunt and uncle for the first seven years of her life. She just like grew up there. Okay. Mm-hmm. On September 15th, 1911, a third daughter named Leah was born. I'm going to say Leah. So I tried listening to it because it's got the little like apostrophe above the E. And so I like looked it up. Some of them said Leah and some of them said Leah but oh okay i'm just gonna say leah and if it's wrong i'm sorry so everyone again was like do you really think you should be having more kids clemens like (laughs) because you don't want them (laughs) probably not a good idea (laughs) right and clemens was like no you're right so she sent leah (laughs) to live with her brother clemens's brother all separated (laughs) just like all just take them every which way like right after she was born she was like here bro have this baby so now they have three daughters. Two of them have been sent away by Clements, who is this cold, bitter woman towards like everyone. Gustav's heavily drinking. These girls like never had a chance at a happy together family. So now there's new rumors starting to go around that Gustav is becoming very abusive. Mm. And poor Amelia was the only kid still living at home. So she's getting all the abuse. That's so sad. It's so sad. When Amelia was about nine years old, Clements sent her away to a Catholic orphanage that was known for its discipline and brutality because Clements is literally oh the God. worst. Right. Not long after she was sent away, it came out that Gustav had been not only physically abusing her, but also sexually abusing her. This ultimately led to his and Clements' divorce, but they didn't get divorced because he had sexually assaulted her nine-year-old daughter. Like everyone knew she that didn't. might not even be his. Right. Every, everyone knew that awful. she didn't give a bit. Everyone knew that she didn't give a shit about her kids. They were like, that's not why they got divorced. They got divorced because Clements was jealous of Amelia. And she was certain that Amelia had seduced her father. And that's why she had sent her away. Yeah. She accused nine-year-old child of seducing oh, her husband that she didn't even care about. God. Yeah. So they get divorced and Clemens is now just like living her best life. No kids, no husband, just like sitting around being a terrible human being. Cool, cool, cool. Not long after Clemens sent Amelia away, her brother died, the one that was taking care of Leah. So Mm. now she's like, shit, what am I going to do with this kid? I don't want it. I'm not about to take care of it. So she decided it was probably best for her to send Leah and Christine both to the same Catholic orphanage that she'd sent Amelia to. Remember all this time, Christine had been like li- happily living with her aunt and uncle, like for seven yeah, years. Yeah, why would you take that one away? Out of spite, because she's an evil bitch. But how did she get the right to do that when she didn't raise her? I mean, it was, it's her kid. And I guess they didn't technically do like adoptive paperwork and all well, that. She was just like, I don't want it. Not that there's really adoptive paperwork back then anyways. Right. I'm she saying... was just like, here, I don't want her. And then she was like, let me take her back because she's mine, but I'm just going to send her to this orphanage. What an awful human being. What a terrible, terrible human being. So she also had this plan. Clements had a plan this whole time. She's like, I've got no husband. I'm going to have to work to have some money. And I don't really want to do that. 
So oh, she's going to prostitute. Well, she's not going to prostitute <laughs> them. The age that you could work then was you'd be wait until you're 15 to work. Okay. The age you can get a job. So she wanted her daughters to stay at the super strict orphanage where they would be trained to like cook and clean. And then when they turned 15, she could use the skills that they learned there to get them jobs as maids. And then they could just like send her all their paychecks and she wouldn't have to work anymore. Mm -hmm. Nice. Because again, Clemens is a terrible human being. Like (laughs) that is the story of the Pat and Sisters. Um, So the sisters, (laughs) (laughs) the sisters were basically all each other had growing up because they grew up together. They, in this orphanage. But they, in the orphanage, I was gonna say, but they didn't. So did they all just like find out they were sisters when they went there? They knew of each other. Like, I guess the aunts and uncles like told them of each other but like in this orphanage it's super strict and like just very brutal and so they were all each other had so they all grew very close um remember amelia was older so when she turned old enough to get a job she she threw a wrench in clements's plan so clements wants her to go get a job she told her mother that she didn't want to go to work she wanted to join the convent and become a nun and like devote her life to jesus which so, she's in a Catholic orphanage, so they're going right, to go for like, that before they go for her being a maid. Well, this infuriated Clements. She's like, that's not the plan. Like, if you go become a nun, you're no longer part of this family. She's so like, Amelia, okay. So Amelia was like, bye, Felicia. And she went to the convent. <laughs> she's like, okay, then. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, Amelia lived out the rest of her life in the convent as a nun. And that's like, her part of the story ends there. Oh, she goes she has a terrible life gets molested and abused and sent to this terrible place and then she becomes a nun and like that's her whole life well that's good for her that's good that yes so the other two sisters lives did not turn out quite that well Uh, no they're they're a little bit different (laughs) they're murderers so we already know (laughs) we already know when amelia left for the convent christine the middle one took it really hard like she'd always looked up to her sister and right. they were all each other had for a long time. Like when Amelia was nine, that was when Christine was seven. So they went to the, like the orphanage pretty close together and stayed there until Amelia turned 15 or 16 and like left. So Christine always felt the need to look after Leah because she was the baby of the family. And Leah had always been the like shy, quiet one of all the sisters And Christine was always the more like outspoken, stronger personality. So as Christine grew older, she decided that she wanted to join the convent too and become a nun. Like she wanted to go with Amelia. But Clements, being the terrible human being that she was, she like forbade it. She was like, no, you you go get a job, girl. She doesn't get a say in it when she's in a fucking orphanage. (laughs) Right. You wouldn't think, but she, when uh, Christine reached the age of 15, Clements pulled her out of the orphanage and was like hey I found you this job as a live-in maid at this house so bye oh like, I see what she did mm-hmm. she didn't even get a chance she did not even get a chance so Christine went to work and she would like she was a live-in maid so she'd go live in these people's houses you got shelter you got to live there you got fed and then you'd just like live there and be the maid so she would live there do a job send her paycheck to her mother him her employers would sometimes refer to her as like rude or showing a lack of respect but they also said that she was going to do it well they also said she was a hard worker and an excellent cook 
they just so they would just like kind of overlook her attitude but Mm -hmm. she wasn't always just like rude she was she was the outspoken one and she wasn't about to let people just like walk all over her so back then if you were a woman and a maid if you were outspoken that meant you were like insolent like rude and whatever oh gotcha so a few years later when leah turned 15 she was also sent to work and the sisters would work as maids over the next several years at several different houses and they would always prefer to work together if at all possible like they would always like try to get jobs in the same house like i said before leah was the quiet one like she wasn't talking back to her employers like christine would so she became known as like the more obedient worker but they both worked very hard like they'd been trained to do at the orphanage and their employers were always content with their work like they had no complaints um but you know who did have complaints fucking clements little bitch ass bitch clements <laughs> didn't have enough money yeah she wasn't satisfied with how much they were getting paid so she was like y'all you got to go find a richer neighborhood to work at like mm-hmm. i need you to send me mm-hmm. more money or maybe you should get your freaking lazy ass up and go get a job (laughs) you bitch ass bitch little bitch ass bitch Clement is the worst (laughs) she is mommy dearest here okay no No wire wire hanger I I enforce that rule there's no wire hangers in my house but I don't like enforce it like mommy dearest I just don't buy them they stress me out I don't like them oh I don't I was going to say, I don't have them either. We have plastic hangers. (laughs) And then my husband will get mad sometimes because he'll be like wanting to use it as for something. I don't know. Like you unhook it and use it as some kind of tool for something. Oh yeah. Dallas said the same thing. So it's so funny you say that. So, um, when, when Dallas's mother comes and visits, um, sometimes she'll bring stuff down that she's like trying to declutter her house. Yeah. She'll give you all her junk. You've told me this. she does um which it's fine like we're super grateful for her to come and spend time with the kids and we love her you know um there was one time though she brought like three bundles of wire hangers oh my god and I was like I would have had I would have been like no I can't I cannot accept this thank you (laughs) but of course I always accept like I'm not gonna be mean or anything or rude so we find use in it so she brings them down and I was like uh, they're all bundled up and she's so nice about it too so she like ties them all together so that they don't like go all over the place you know oh so like she had strings t- tied them together so they stay together that really stresses and me out. um it did it stressed me out and when she left I was like so how are you gonna get rid of all these hangers and he was like just go put them in the closet oh, I was like you. absolutely not <laughs> what is wrong with you I was like, have you not ever seen mommy dearest? No wire hangers. <laughs> no. He was like, seriously, no. it is a hanger. And plus these things work for everything. And he starts undoing one. And no. I was like, I could see my eye twitching. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is Needless all to say, they're gone. <laughs> plastic white hangers for me. Thank you. Um, they are gone. They are gone. <laughs> I really do. I really do appreciate when she brings stuff just because she's so, <laughs> she, like, she makes that an effort. Yeah, that's really She sweet. makes an effort to come in and, and drive to see the kids. And I mean, she lives, you know, two, two and a half hours away. So she does make an effort and stuff. So yeah. there's no, no harsh words at all. <laughs> I love both of my mother-in-law. No harsh words, <laughs> except for no wire hangers. So <laughs> I love, I love, I love both of them. I love um, Dallas's mother and his stepmother. So it is, they're both great. No, I have no 
I have no negative mother-in-law. Are they listening right now? Are they listening? Is that why you're stressing it so much? I don't think they do actually. Um, I know Rhonda doesn't. Um, but I was just saying like, I have no negative, I have no negative harsh words against my mother-in-laws. I hear so many bad stories of people that like don't get along with their mother-in-laws and I can't say the same. Like I like my in-law family. So that's nice for you. No comment. All right, let's get back to the story. In 1926, Christine started working for the Lancelin family. So this family consisted of Renee Lancelin, who is a retired lawyer, his wife, Leonie, and their daughter, Genevieve, who is the same age as Christine. So they had, an, they had another daughter, but she was older and married and like living at her own house. So she wasn't there. Um, after a few months of working there, Christine convinced them to hire her sister, Leah. So now they're both living and working at the Lancelin house. Christine as the family cook and Leah as the chambermaid. So she like did all the housework. They shared a room upstairs in the attic, and for the most part, they spent all of their time at the house. About the only times they would leave the house would be to go to church on Sundays, or if they had, like, some kind of errands to run for the family, like, going to get groceries or whatever. Right. Other than that, they really didn't get out, like, at all. They both worked 14 hours a day every day, and they were allowed a two-hour break every day after lunch, but instead of using those two hours to, like, go out and do anything fun they would just spend that time locked up quietly in their room. Like they didn't feel the need to go anywhere. They preferred each other's company over hanging out with other people, which I totally get because people suck and I'd rather hang out with my dog. So (laughs) it's true. (laughs) It's true. So they were known as antisocial. Like they would just do their work and keep to themselves. For several years, they lived and worked at the Lancelot home with no major issues like at all. Madam Leonie found out that the girls were sending their wages to their deadbeat, terrible human being of a mother. And she was like, this is ridiculous. And so she forbade them from sending her any more money. And she even went to Clements herself and was like, they're not going to send you money anymore. Like, you need to find another source. Oh, look at her. You little boss ass bitch. little boss ass (laughs) bitch. So this caused a major fight between the girls and Clements. And they didn't speak for years after that. Like, they stopped sending money and they didn't speak for years. Good. That is good. So even though Leonie helped them with their mommy issues, she was also no walk in the park for the girls. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Never mind. I take boss ass bitch away. <laughs> You're like, good, good. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. So <laughs> she had always been very particular about how her house was kept and what the help was expected to do and how they were expected to act. So the entire mm-hmm. seven years the girls were employed there, the, they never spoke to Renee or Genevieve or vice versa. They weren't allowed to. So only Madame Leonie spoke to them, and that was rarely. And it was really only to give them direction on what needed to be done. Over the years, Madame Leonie developed depression, and she started targeting the girls. She became a very, very demanding employer. She would do white glove check after the house was closed. Oh, God. Yes. And if she found, like, a speck of dirt, she would make Leah clean it all over again. If any meals weren't weren't up to her standards, she would let Christine know. She'd be like, um, this is subpar. Like, I'm going to need you to do better. And I saw a few reports that said one time she noticed a piece of paper, like, a little balled-up piece of paper on the floor. And instead of being like, hey, there's trash here. Like, you need to pick this up. She pinched Leah's arm until it bled to get her to pick it up. 
right? How do you pinch somebody so hard that they like, bleed? It makes my ears hurt. I also saw reports that she began subjecting them to different forms of abuse, including slapping the girls, shoving their heads down roughly while they were washing the floors, and slamming their heads into walls if they didn't perform their duties up to her high standards. Dude, why the fuck don't they just quit? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like go find a motherfucking other house girl <laughs> right you can find another house uh, maybe on that two hours break after lunch you need to go out and look for a job because you can do better than this <laughs> you can do better than nobody that putting their hand <laughs> ain't nobody putting their hands on me <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> well that's why this story is kind of going to turn into an episode of snapped it so, is, huh? I already kind of figured who their first yeah. target's going to be. <laughs> it should have been Mommy Dearest, but it's not. <laughs> they got away from Mommy Dearest, and now now they got this this bitch. So let's get to the day of the murders. I'm going to okay. warn everyone right now. It's going to get a little gory. So you've been oh, warned. okay. <laughs> yeah. So February 2nd, 1933. Christine and Leah were at the home alone doing their daily duties. Renee um, was out at a friend's house playing cards, and he was planning on meeting Genevieve and Leonie for a dinner party later that evening at his brother-in-law's house. So Genevieve and Leonie had been out shopping all day. They returned home around 5.30 that evening, and nobody really knows why. It's assumed that probably just to, like, drop off their shopping haul and maybe, like, freshen up before dinner. But right. when they got there, they noticed the house was completely dark. So it turned out while doing the ironing, a fuse had been blown in the house. And this pissed Leonie off. So apparently the iron had been at the repair shop because it had blown a fuse the last time they tried to use it. So like they had to take it to the repair shop, the repairman fixed it. The sisters had to actually use money from their paychecks to pay for it because they're like, well, you broke this. Like you need to get this fixed. It worked fine before. Mm. Of course it did. Right. So the sisters had actually picked the iron up that day from the repair shop. And then as soon as they plugged it in to start doing the ironing, it blew a fuse and the power went out. So they didn't, the girls didn't call an electrician because they didn't think they had the authority do, to do that without like direct orders. So they're like, oh, we'll just clean in the dark, I guess, until they get home. <laughs> right awful. right because they're like i don't i don't feel like we're allowed to do this like we need to be told to do this so nobody knows what actually happened to start the whole event but we we have the Pappin story so according to them leonie became irate when she got home and discovered the powers out so they walk in she's like this is bullshit she leaves genevieve on the first floor of the house and goes upstairs to find the sisters she found christine on the second floor and Leah was upstairs in like their attic bedroom. So according to Christine, Leonie became so angry that she like attacked her, like she came at her. And when Christine saw that she was coming at her, she grabbed this heavy pewter pitcher that was on a table and hit her in the head. Leonie screamed, obviously, because she just got smacked in the head with this pewter pitcher. Right. Genevieve runs upstairs to see what's going on. She sees her mother's been hit and steps in and tries to, like, protect her mom and fend off Christine. Well, Christine responded by screaming out, I shall murder them. And then, <laughs> and then proceeded to rip Genevieve's eyes out with her fingers. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that shit just escalated real quickly. Like, <laughs> like, like, that wasn't even, like, you didn't even, there was no 
damn <laughs> I, I told you it was gonna get gory that was my warning like damn <laughs> she said i will murder you and rip your fucking eyes out so by this time leah had come downstairs because she hears all this ruckus and she sees she's like there's a ruckus and she ran downstairs she sees what's happening and christine sees leah come down and she's like you need to tear out leonie's eyes oh jesus right because what the hell right surprisingly leah did exactly what she was told and removed leonie's eyes with her bare hands the quiet one yes (laughs) she just walks over and takes her eyes out she's the quiet one but she's also the obedient one uh yeah that's true so she just does what she's told so now they both have been blinded like they have no eyes christine goes down to the kitchen to fetch various killing tools including a kitchen knife and a hammer Leonie and Genevieve are in agonizing pain. They're blind. They're defenseless. They're like in shock. The sisters then took turns bashing them in the head with the hammer and the pewter pitcher and slashing at their legs with the kitchen knife. Like this shit escalated real quick. Oh, damn. When I say took turns, I mean, they literally passed the weapons back and forth between each other. Like here, you, you use this and I'll use this. Okay, now let's switch. The women were so brutally beaten that by the time everything was over, they were completely unrecognizable. You could not make out faces. But they didn't stop there. So. Oh, oh, of course. They're not, they're, they're literally dead by now. I'm sure. They're literally dead. So. (laughs) But we're not done. (laughs) We are not done. It gets worse. They use. They're basically like, take this, this white glove check and shove it up your ass. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally an episode of snapped. I'm not even kidding. So they use the kitchen knife to mutilate the women's genitalia and then cut out pieces of their thighs and buttocks. Yeah. What the fuck for? (laughs) Well, because then they followed a recipe that they had found in an old cookbook for a rabbit casserole. But instead of rabbit. Oh, hell fucking no, they didn't. (laughs) They did. Yeah. They were like, let's prepare this rabbit human casserole that's the end of the casserole thing like they didn't feed it to anybody they didn't eat it they just like cooked it like i don't know why why exactly (laughs) it shit got real weird but they also didn't stop there at the time of the murder genevieve had been she was on her period it's estimated that the sisters spent an entire half an hour like spreading genevieve's menstrual blood all over her mother's butchered corpse Ew. Yeah. When they were finally done with all of this, that's where they're done. They washed themselves off, like they took showers, cleaned themselves off, and went upstairs with a single candle, went up to their room, locked themselves in, and laid down on their bed like they were going to sleep for the night. You know, super casual night. Oh, okay. Time to go to bed. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> So meanwhile, Renee had been waiting for Leonie and Genevieve for dinner at the brother-in-law's house. And they hadn't showed up. He's like, dude, something's up. Surely they're not still shopping. Right. But he can't just call them. Like, they don't have cell phones. So (laughs) he has to go home (laughs) to see if they're there. Or if maybe they had forgotten about dinner. Like, maybe they went home and they're, like, just hanging out. So around 7, he and a friend went with him. He and a friend arrived at his house to find that it was pitch black and all the doors were locked. And he didn't have a key with him. He could see the flicker of a candle coming from the attic bedroom. So he's like, somebody must be home. Why aren't they unlocking the door? Like, what the hell? He finally flags down a constable and he's like, hey, bro, something's up. Like, 
my wife and daughter were supposed to meet me for dinner, but they never showed. So I came home to see if they're here, but there's no power and the house is locked, but it looks like my maids may be home. So like, can you like help me get in or right? So the constable was like, I got you, bro. And he climbs <laughs> over a garden wall and was able to break into the house. And I'm like, Renee, why don't you just do that? Like, it's your house, climb over, <laughs> <But> whatever. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we all have our strengths. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that he didn't because that he means he didn't, he didn't find the scene, the constable did. Right. He would have seen it all. Yes. So once inside, the constable took out a flashlight and began looking around. The ground floor seemed clear, so he began to climb the stairs to check the second story and try to find the source of the candlelight. Well, as he approached the stairs, he was mortified to find a single eyeball lying on a step, staring uh. straight at him. Yeah, that's what he said. No. <laughs> he said gross. Yes. He walks, he finished walking up the stairs and the room he enters is completely covered in blood and gore. He finds the bodies of Leonie and Genevieve and their faces have been completely beaten to a pulp. They're unrecognizable. The corpses are so mutilated that they didn't allow Renee to come in. They just immediately called more police to come. They're like, no, you stay outside. You stay outside. You don't need to see this. Right. You don't need to see this. Um, both women were left with their skirts pulled up and their underwear pulled down to reveal their mutilated genitalia. Ew. Yes. When forensic photos were being taken of the crime scene, a constable pulled their skirts down like out of indecency to cover them up. He was like, we don't have this. That's nice. Yeah. I think that's messing with the crime scene nowadays, but that's still. It is messing with the crime scene nowadays. (laughs) Like you're not supposed to do that, but thanks. I was like, that's nice. But then I'm also thinking, yeah, you're not supposed to touch anything. (laughs) You're not supposed to do that, but thank you though. That was sweet. Um. (laughs) Uh, You just tampered with the murder scene, but okay. Thanks. Back to the, the gore, Le- Leonie's teeth were scattered all over the room. Her eyeballs were later found in her scarf around her neck. Everyone immediately assumed that Christine and Leah had been murdered too. They were like, obviously a crazed murderer broke in and like took everybody out. <laughs> nope, they're cool. They're good. <laughs> they're, they are good. They, they that's just not acting like they're sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking a nap. They're tired. So <laughs> Killing just wears you out. <laughs> it does. When they went upstairs to the attic bedroom door, they were surprised to find that it was locked. So they knocked on the door (laughs) and, (laughs) right, I read that and I was like, why? Knock, knock, knock. They're like, hello. (laughs) So they knock on the door and they could hear faint whispering from the other side, but nobody came to the door. So they called a locksmith. Like how I frustrating. down the fucking Okay, door. how frustrating is it, first of all, that you knock on the door and you can hear people whispering, but they don't <laughs> open it. They're talking about me. They're talking about me. <laughs> like, I guess maybe they weren't frustrated. Maybe they thought that, like, they'd been attacked too and they were hurt and they couldn't get to the door. Like, but like. <laughs> I can hear you. Open the door. Right. They can't hear me. They can't hear us. They can't hear us. <laughs> they, they can't. They can't hear us. It's fine. We're good. Nobody's home. So the locksmith gets there, gets the door open. They enter the room. They find the sisters lying in bed with their arms around each other, whispering to each other. So several sources I saw said that they were naked. Other sources said they were in their robes. 
I'm not sure which one's accurate. Like I saw a lot of cases of both, but they were definitely, yeah, they were definitely both led out of the house in the ropes. Like there's pictures of them being arrested in the robes. Right. So I don't know. When asked what happened, the sisters calmly confessed to committing the double murder. Oh, Jesus. They could have got away with it, too. <laughs> they could have been like, we are hiding. Some dude broke in. We are scared. We came here and locked the door. Like, they could have totally gotten away with it. We killed them. I took like, her eyeballs out. <laughs> right. Like, they just calmly confessed. Christine told officers that she had just been defending herself and that Leah was also, like, defending her. A bloody hammer with hair clinging to it laid beside the chair, on a chair beside them. There's just, like, a bloody yeah so maybe they wouldn't just got away with it because <laughs> probably not <laughs> probably, probably not, not. i don't know how this got here <laughs> right so what happened was this crazy guy came in he started murdering them he dropped the hammer we grabbed it and ran upstairs and locked ourselves in. that's my story and i'm sticking to it oh, no they're God. they're just like i did it it was me so they were arrested they were let out of the home and they seem to be in what appeared to be a catatonic state during the rest and the whole course of the trial. They behaved as if they had sunken into a deep trance. They seemed to ignore everything that went on around them. They spoke only when they were questioned. And they never okay. even looked at each other or anybody else. They just gazed straight ahead. Hmm. Like they're in shock or something. So once they were put in prison, the sisters were separated from each other. And neither one of them took the separation very well. But Christine seemed to take it the hardest. She pleaded to be able to see her sister. And after many pleas, she was granted a small visit. Now, it gets weird here. So it's said by the guards that were present for their reunion that upon seeing her sister, Christine threw herself at her sister, unbuttoning her blouse and asking her to say yes. What? So no, right. Nobody what knows. What mean? <laughs> right. Right. So nobody knows if that actually happened, but it was like hearsay and it led a lot of people to believe that for a long time, the sisters had been engaging in an incestuous relationship. And that's why they were so just like, just the two of them all the time. But I I don't know, like nobody really knows. So yeah. That's just a weird, like, just say yes. What the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) Like just, just say yes obviously it means just say yes you know so a few months later christine had to be put in a straitjacket after she attempted to gouge her own eyes out i don't know what i don't know why she's obsessed with that like leave eyeballs in the socket like (laughs) stop it it. we we don't do that um those don't go anywhere else (laughs) right she told police um, she had undergone a similar fit on the day of the murders. So immediately they were like, we need someone in here to figure out her mental state. Like, is she crying? Like, what's going on? She sound crying. <laughs> sound crying. So their lawyer made a plea of insanity, stating that mental illness actually reigned in the family. So one of the girl's uncles had died insane. Their grandfather had been known to suffer from fits of rage. Another uncle had committed suicide. Obviously, their mother was not super stable. Right. Like she thought a nine-year-old was seducing her husband. She she's not all there. Um, so the court appointed three doctors to do psychological evaluations on them. So this whole time, neither sister would try to blame it on the other one. They both claimed full responsibility. When they explained what happened, neither of them would show 
any kind of remorse they would just tell the story like an everyday normal tone of voice like if you're talking about oh I went to the store earlier and I got this they would just like tell the story all of it all three of the doctors concluded that the girls were completely sane and free of any mental disorders and fit to stand trial right that (laughs) that took the opposite turn of what they were wanting (laughs) so they also concluded that the love the sisters had for each other was based purely on family ties and it wasn't like an incestuous sexual relationship a fourth doctor gave a completely different diagnosis so this doctor claimed that leah had become so completely obsessed with her sister that her personality was erased and it became more of an extension of christine's personality causing the two of them to act as a single personality oh okay but i guess i guess three to one majority rules so they're like they're Mm. not crazy so after the trial was over the jury deliberated for 40 minutes they found the sisters guilty of murder and the two of them were giving giving the two of them were given two separate sentences so leah was sentenced to 10 years in prison and christine was sentenced to death by guillotine oh shit (laughs) oh shit but that was later changed to life in prison okay christine did not do well she couldn't bear not being around her sister and she refused to eat she underwent periods of severe depression and fits of insanity and hallucinations so she was then moved to a mental institution where she continued to deteriorate until she died of cachexia which is like literally just wasting away so she died may of 1937 four years after her sentence Leah seemed to be taking the whole thing better than Christine. And after serving eight years in prison, she was released on good behavior. After her release in 1943, Leah went to live with her mother until her mother passed away. Exactly. So a lot of people hear that. Why? Yes. People hear that and they're like, why the hell would she go live with that terrible human being? Well, a lot of people think it's because of her personality, like her passive. She's always been dominated. She has to be, she has to answer to somebody. Right. She was probably afraid of the thought of living on her own and has always been dominated by somebody. So like, that was all she had left to go to. It's said that she changed her name to Marie and worked as a hotel maid and lived a quiet life for the rest of her life. It is unknown when she died. So some accounts say 1982. She died in 1982. Others claim that she lived until 2001 when she had a stroke and died yeah hmm. it's really weird and that is it that's the case of the Pappen sisters so basically well, that... they they lived an all-around terrible life and then years of abuse and then they snapped and went so crazy i'm like uh they let her out after eight years <laughs> yeah on good behavior she was she was behaving very i know well. you i know you killed two people um like viciously like (laughs) to the point where they you couldn't identify them but we're just gonna let you out on good behavior don't do it again don't Don't do it again (laughs) don't you do that leave those eyeballs in those sockets no no (laughs) so yeah that is that on that what an interesting case see i don't know why the french cases are always so super interesting to me they are (laughs) they are they are all right so yeah, follow us on all this stuff. Um, you can find it all on SerialHolicSisters.com. Yep, yep. And for all of our listeners that are still on the fence to join our Patreon, 
our June episode releases um, next week. I, I think, think. I think next week. What's today? Yeah, it's next week. I had to look Where at the Where am date. I? Yeah. <laughs> What's today? <laughs> so yeah, um, if you are excited to listen to exclusive episodes for you guys, you can totally join us. Join so, yeah. us. <laughs> join us. Let's be culty. It's so join culty. Us. Let's not be culty. It's Let's not, not okay. <laughs> um, anyways, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Next time. Let's be awkward. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.